This episode is brought to you by Carvana. Carvana is in the business of driving you happy. And with the widest selection of used cars under $20,000, you're bound to find a car that'll put a smile on your face. They even offer customizable financing so you can plan your down and monthly payments. To shop thousands of affordable vehicles 100% online, download the app or visit Carvana.com. Availability may vary by market. Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. This is your host, as always, from Movie Lovers Unite, John DiGorio, and I just want to sit, talk about something real quick, and that is Audible. What is Audible? I'm so glad that you guys asked. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audio books, ranging from bestsellers like Anne Rice, Stephen King, the list just goes on. Their whole entire catalog, when it comes down to audiobooks, is just fantastic. If you're on, on the road and everything, and you want an audiobook, and you want to download it fast, go ahead, go to Audible. You're not going to regret it. They actually have a trial right now that you guys can actually jump on. You can actually go on ahead, go to the link, and it'll bring you up to that trial. And a matter of fact, every month, members actually get one credit to pick any title, plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection, and access to Daily News Digest from the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post, as well as guided meditation programs. Another thing, too, guys, that's not all they have. They also have, they also have, finish, if you actually want to go ahead and do some things to actually better yourself for 2021, they have stuff for that, too, like finishing more books or becoming a better parent, leader, or a person, how-to books, which is something that everybody seems to grab onto a lot lately and everything else. So if you guys are actually looking for something to maybe better yourself for 2021, go on ahead, check out those books as well. They have a big catalog. You guys won't regret it. Go ahead, click on the link below in the description notes. Go on ahead. You guys won't regret it. Sign up for that trial period. And always until next time, stay safe, guys, and enjoy the show. And God bless. Hey guys, John here. I just want to talk about something for a minute. We actually have a Patreon up right now in full swing, and that is our $5 a month plan. It's called Movie Lovers Classics. It covers bonus episodes, reviewing classic movies like you're about to listen to right now with the uh, little Caesar review that we just did, early access to episodes, monthly newsletters, shoutouts on the main uh, feed, early access to episodes, and then we also have all access documentary series review, which is $10 a month. And that includes bonus episodes, Eli Roth's history of horror, early access to episodes, monthly newsletters, free digital movies, shout outs on the main feed as well. And then that also includes our classic, um, movie reviews as well and then our $20 a month plan is our VIP movie lover and that also includes bonus episodes classic movie reviews interviews with independent actors actresses directors and comic book writers and it also includes movie lovers documentaries and early access to episodes monthly newsletters free digital movies and shout outs on the main feed as well go on ahead subscribe to the patreon we hope that we'll see you there and always until next time guys bye bye Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. For tonight's podcast, I have my good friend, Tamika, and my other good friend, Charlie. And what we're going to be doing is we're actually doing a documentary review on all Eyes on the Prize. This is actually our very first documentary review that we're actually doing for our uh, Patreon. So this is actually exciting. This is actually going to be another example of our Patreon. 
And before I actually get into this whole entire thing, I just want to say this. If there's anybody that's rude, this is a little bit of a disclaimer here. If there's anybody that's rude in the comments, racist tort in the comments, it's okay to disagree, but it's not okay to be racist. It's not okay to actually have any type of um, pretty much just being rude towards us, being threatening towards us or anything like that. We will not. We will actually remove your comment and remove you from the actual channel itself. And Charlie is actually going to be the gatekeeper on that and keeping uh, levels at bay in the chat area. So that's what Charlie's going to be doing. And whenever he gives me the thumbs up, that means that the chat is good. When he gives me the thumbs down, that means that somebody's starting some shit in the in the chat, and I have to go on hand and shut you down. So, you know, you've been warned. And that's going to be it. So, with further ado, let's go on ahead and get on with this. So, Tamika, I'm going to let you go on ahead and open up first, and then <laughs> we'll go on ahead, and I'll give you my thoughts as well. Okay. So, Eyes on the Prize came out in 1987, I believe, and it was created by Henry Hampton, who is long since passed. Um, what I can tell you about my personal, um, I guess, connection to Eyes on the Prize was I used to rent it or whatever in the library uh, multiple times as a kid. Um, I'm surprised I didn't get fined because <laughs> I used to run up the VHS tape and my mom was like, oh no, not this again, which is unique for a kid to be into like a uh, historical uh, documentary like that, even at such a young age. But anyway, um, Eyes on the Prize chronicles just the beginnings of the civil rights movement um, and then toward the end. And I think it, it begins in 1954 and then mm -hmm. it kind of, the documentary stops at like 1980. Right. So, yeah. And it, it won tons of awards. There's so many accolades associated with the documentary. Um, the crappy part is that all of the copyright infringements and licenses, there was issues with that back and forth, I think starting in 2005 or earlier, 1990s. In 2005, Ford Foundation uh, pitched in to renew the copyright licenses so it can be kind of like a public domain. And then anyway, it got tied up in a bunch of legal stuff. Um, it sucks that you can't really look at the documentary anymore. Um, maybe one or two episodes are on YouTube. But other than that, maybe like a month or two later, it will say PBS... Um, took this down because of copyright issues. So the only way to actually look at it is to buy like part one on Amazon for like 20 some bucks. Or you can go on PBS where you get the whole series for 300 bucks. Okay. That's what's wow. up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I so, thought that would actually be a pretty cool collection though to actually have though, even though it's a $300 price tag on it though. If you love yeah. history enough or if you're a teacher. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. It's three hundred dollars and it it's like a teacher's pack where it comes with all these um 
teacher like activities, classroom activities for kids to learn about the civil rights. And what what makes it unique is that you have um, archival footage and interviews from both sides. Like usually in these documentaries, you'll have just Martin Luther King or you'll hear the people that were against or for the civil rights movement. But in this documentary, you have those against it as well, who are still living in the, I think they interviewed them in like the eighties or something. So that's what's unique about it. And it's, it's basically the best civil rights documentary ever in my opinion, because those people are dead. <laughs> so you're not gonna get, I just came out wrong, but they, they're dead because you're not gonna get that anymore is what I meant to say. Right. <laughs> but, you know, I really like the fact that you put me onto this documentary. I wanted to do something special for Martin Luther King since this is his birthday and things like that. I think he's also a great role model for, you know, any race that you can actually think of as well. And also, too, I mean, I love the I had a dream speech. I love how he talks about darkness and light. That's actually one of my favorite quotes by him and things like that, too. Uh, what I want to talk about, too, is the mayor of Chicago, Richard Daly. And every time Dr. King would ask him about equal rights for African-Americans, he would always cover it up with, well, we have this club, we have this right here, we have other stuff for African-American communities. But as as Dr. King was actually going through the streets, he was seeing uh, segregations. He was seeing uh, poor, poorly uh, used homes. He was seeing what the black community was actually in. And it tore him to pieces. But at the same time, he also said, Dr. King also said this, that they're not going to march during that ch in Chicago or anything like that because of the fact that they were saving it for something else. Mm. But what I liked was the black community went on ahead and said, you know what, just because Dr. King isn't doing the march doesn't mean that we can't march either. And it meant a lot for the black community to actually have Dr. King to actually march with them. But, you know, they went on ahead and did it themselves and they were panicking too that, okay, it's 12 o'clock PM no one's coming out. There's only a few people. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, people are coming out of their homes doing this march. And then also, too, you also had, of course, what we have today, the racist people throwing bricks at them, calling them names. I love the fact that the black community went on ahead and threw bricks back at them and everything, too, to show that they're no longer tolerating this anymore. They already Enough is enough. The gloves are off. We put up with this for so long, and here's the fight. We're bringing it to you. We're marching for our rights to have the same equal rights as white people are, do. And that's just something that was beautiful about the march. Yeah, yeah. And that's in one of the parts of um, Eyes on the Prize, but it's also in King in the Wilderness, which is a HBO documentary that came out in mm -hmm. 2018. And I think King in the Wilderness actually is focused on his march in Chicago, which was interesting to me just seeing that he was trying to bring the same tactics from the South, you know, like right. demonstrations, fill up the jails and marches. And Andrew Young, who is still alive, was actually with Dr. King 
and he was basically just explaining how different the atmosphere is in Chicago from Birmingham. Like, yeah, they tried the same tactics where they marched, but they didn't anticipate like 10,000 whites and KKK and everyone else just yelling and screaming and throwing things at them. Right. They were in Birmingham, it was maybe like uh, maybe like a hundred or less that were just yelling at them. But Andrew Young was just explaining how Chicago is a different beast. You know, they're not only right. fighting for just um, segregation. There's like housing issues. There's poverty. So it's it's much more complex. And like you said, Mayor Daley is in it too. And you have a political machine. Right. And the black clergymen didn't like Martin coming in there either because they were part of Mayor Daley's machine too, because they were getting payoff favors as well. Right. So it, <laughs> he had good <laughs> intentions, but it, it was a hot mess, basically. Right. <laughs> and to me, Mayor Daley, to me, is kind of like Kim Jong un in uh, the interview where you see uh, Seth Rogen and them going through North Korea. And then all of a sudden he goes, oh, I heard that, um, you know, there's people starving. Oh, no, no, no. Look, does that boy look like he's starving? Mm -hmm. And he's a kid with a lollipop. And he goes, we have a grocery store. Does it look like that, that we're starving? No, we're not, yeah. star we're not starving. That's what it looks like to me with Mayor Daly. He's like yeah. covering all this up as Martin, you know, as Martin Luther King is like, well, what about this? Oh, we have this club for this. We have this for them. We have, we're a big community. We believe in having the same equal rights as black people and everything. Horse shit. He's yeah. all BS and everything, you know? <laughs> but yeah. yeah, and and it's a good point you brought up too with the segregation and well you mentioned Boston, but they were talking about yeah. Chicago too. Right. Is talk about that in a few minutes though. Oh, okay. But yeah, yeah but re, um just rewinding back to um Eyes on the Prize. I saw the first two episodes before we, you know, went live. <laughs> And the first two episodes just um, chronicles the beginnings of the movement, like with the murder of Emmett Till and then Rosa Parks. And I think those were the two cataclysts that offset the movement. Um, the, the murder of Emmett Till, for those that don't know, is just this young kid that <laughs> ironically came from Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Um, to visit his uncle in Mississippi, I believe. Yeah, it was in Mississippi. So I can understand the the viewpoint that he had coming. Just everything in Chicago is kind of different for right. blacks than it is in the South. But anyway, right. um, he was hanging out with his cousins and his friends, and they dare him to go talk to a white woman. So he talked to this white woman in the candy store and he was like, bye, baby. And then that offset this whole shit pile that basically basically caused his death in a sense. And what's unique about the documentary is that you have the archival footage of his 
um, uncle, grandpa, some relation to him, just describing the events because he's a witness to it that a couple men came and to his house and wanted to see Emmett and they took him in a car and he never saw Emmett again. And next thing he knows, he's dead floating in the river. So it was uh, a, it's a very tragic story. And his mom found out about it. And when he died, there was uh, his mom decided to have an open casket because it was just mutilated and you couldn't recognize his face. Um, so his mom had a, took his body back to Chicago, had an open casket. Um, I've seen the picture of Emmett Till since I was a kid, and it still gives me nightmares. Um, if you have the stomach to look at it, it's online somewhere, but it is very horrific what they did to his face. Um, so yeah, in a sense, his uncle or whoever he was and his mom were very brave to even like stand up against these men because they took them to court. Um, of course, they got off. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then months later, I think the the report, there was footage, archival footage of the reporter saying that the men confessed to him that, yeah, they did it because he was, wasn't afraid of them. He was boasting that he had a white girlfriend in Chicago. So they told him he's not going to see the light of day again. Um, so you, you have that, which my conspiracy theory is that the reason why this documentary is so hard to find is that there's incriminating evidence. Mm -hmm. <laughs> these men, like that. all these people are like saying, yeah, I murdered him. Or, or their family <laughs> members that are like, mm, we don't want that out in the public sphere. Right. So or as like I'm, a drunk uncle that you don't want over the house and everything. I got yeah. some stories for you. It's no, 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 no. We do not want that. We don't know yeah. what he's talking about. Yeah. And then, and then throughout the documentary, you have like um, Bull Connor, um, Chief Officer Pridget, which the movement was beginning in Albany, Georgia. You have mm -hmm. Bridget being interviewed, which is amazing to me, just having somebody on the other side describe, okay, I hate Martin Luther King, and I read all his philosophies and his books, and it's just interesting that the person that was against him studied his own moves to kind of counteract him. Like, okay, he wants all these jails filled up, but I counteracted it by having, by calling other counties to push them in the other county jails. Right. And he act, then he pulled some strings because Martin got arrested. He pulled strings to get him out of jail, basically just pushing him all the way out of Albany. Like get all that demonstrating mess out of here, causing too much problems. He just did everything he could. And he's just describing it. Just to, I did X, Y, Z. And I can hear the guy off camera saying, you know, uh, well, how did you do it? Oh, I called somebody. Like, <laughs> so you can actually see how the incriminating evidence is <laughs> like a confession <laughs> tape. It's like, yeah, I killed them. Yeah, I called somebody. I pulled some strings. 
So right. that's my conspiracy theory as to why <laughs> this documentary is so hard to find. <laughs> but, but I can actually it, see that though. It's to be honest with you. To pay because, off. Yeah. Right. Because you don't want to have exterminating evidence against anyone and don't want the truth actually be known about what actually happened to somebody. And you don't want that truth to actually be leaked out, like you mentioned, because that mm -hmm. also ruins the name of somebody else that was in that family that was related to them uh, mm -hmm. and everything, too. So it's actually protecting them. But at the same time, it's just showing them how racist that they actually are. And they do not want to be painted in that way. Because they want to act like that they're doing something that's morally right, even though it's morally, even though it's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. So I, I can definitely see why the documentary would actually be harder to find because of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it it seems like one of those um, too hot to handle documentaries. The reason why all the you have all these copyright holes and ties and everything right. else. But also, probably PBS is just greedy. <laughs> they don't want to share all their goodies with anybody. Maybe that's it, too. <laughs> These are my theories that I have to why people have to pay $300 for a whole series or $20 for three discs, which only give you half of the civil rights movement. Right. So that also <laughs> brings me up to another conclusion. They could have like re-edited whatever they wanted to edit out of it and then give you like a chopped up version that yeah. you didn't we that they didn't want us to see. Yeah, they could have did that too, but they left everything in. I mean, you right. have like police chiefs that you never heard of talk about things they did to counteract the movement. And you have news reporters, you have people that were in um, SCLC, Southern Christian yep. Leadership Conference with Martin Luther King, talking about what he went through, uh, what they went through. And I'm just kind of just going through a fast review of everything because we only have an hour. <laughs> but um, I, I also found it interesting, the, the break in the movement and Stokely Carmichael now, Kwame True, I'm, I don't think he's alive anymore. I'm not sure. But just the break in the movement between the younger people coming in and they're like, okay, I'm sick of this nonviolent stuff. And then you have right. the old part with Martin Luther King. And it's like, we got to continue the nonviolence. Um, I found that break in the movement interesting, that there are challenges to Martin Luther King's um, leadership. But in the face of the public, he's trying his best not to um, go against, like, have any rival, like, any fighting so it can be right. a unity. Right. Like, and I understand his philosophy on that. Yeah. Because you all work in the yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. And then it's interesting because Stokely Carmichael, when he was being interviewed, when he was marching with Martin Luther King, and you can see that break in philosophy. He's from New York. So he said, I'm, I come from New York. I'm, I, I'm used to self-defense and fighting. And then you got Martin Luther King who comes from Atlanta and grew up in like the religious aspect. So there's that mindset that comes into it as well. Right. 
I do agree with you on that and everything. That's actually pretty interesting on the things that you actually brought up and every, and stuff like that. Um, speaking of which, the thing the march that happened on Cicero and everything, like I mm. mentioned too. Yeah, Jesse Jackson was was uh was supposed to be in the marches along with Martin Luther King, and then of course you know that's when people were throwing bricks at them. 12 p.m. Everybody came out. Then also too, we also have another thing that happened in 1967, which is actually where the movie Detroit is actually based on off of. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually on the 12th Street riot. In 1967, mm. on July 23rd, which is actually one of the hottest uh, summers that we that they have ever had, mm. and also too, if if they would have just left everybody alone, let them play in the water and do everything that they wanted to do because they weren't bothering nobody, you know. Mm-hmm. And if they would have just if the police would have just went on ahead and left everybody alone, there would not have been a riot that day. There yeah. and get this. And God knows what those people have actually been through before that to cause that kind of action. Because yeah. God knows that they were thrown in jail, been beaten, got kicked out of a of a building for being black, or mm-hmm. for actually uh, just being who they who black people actually are, people of color actually are, and being being judged by by the color of their skin, and it's not right. And that could actually push even more of an issue and everything to cause that riot. And there's just something in everyone to where it's like, I'm angry. I need to get to release this energy that I actually have. I need to protest. I'm, and there's just so much anger after going through a bunch of bullshit through how many years and just being harassed by the cops over and over and over again. How much is enough? So that's where I actually feel like where the Detroit riots came from is because they were being harassed over and over again. The fire hydrant thing was just the tip of the iceberg to where it was just one of those moments where everybody just exploded and everything, and they just got tired of it. And I don't blame them at all. And and at that time, too, it it was a 12-hour riot, and the National Guard was actually called in from Michigan with 12,000 armed men with no experience to control an actual riot. So they mm-hmm. have no background on how mm-hmm. to control the riot and keep things at a peaceful level. So mm-hmm. therefore, they're actually angry and everything too because of what they're what other people are doing. Then you also have the black community who's also angry because of the fact that, you know, because of the harassments, because of everything that everybody's been through over the periods of years, and you having both clash together and everything, and they don't know how to actually have a peaceful time to actually control the riots and everything. And to me, that is a misjudgment with the mayor, the governor mm-hmm. of Detroit. Because why are you going to send in troops that has no experience with the shit and, and store up more shit? You already have shit already going. Now yeah. you're going to store the product even more. Yeah. Yeah. And also, um, like Andrew Young was saying, there's the the racism in the North is so complex because in the South, it's just like black and white. In the North, I'm assuming too with Detroit, they, they probably didn't have 
uh, it, there was poverty too. So right. that's something that'll get you boiled up. Um, it's hot. You don't have any air. That's something else that'll get you hyped up. Um, the unemployment, that's something else. So there's like layers that I've, I've learned between the two documentaries that talk about the North and the South. There's layers upon layers. There's more complex layers in the North with racism, right. not to mention there the cover-up. Like, we're not racist. What are you talking about? We're the North. Yeah. That's the South. Um, and the South <laughs> is just like, this is who we are. We're bread and butter, whatever, <laughs> you know? Like, it's, to be honest with you, being from the South, it's pretty much what you see is what you get. You yeah. Know? Because they're going to tell you flat out on how racist they are. If they hide it, they're going to present it later on. Their true colors yeah. are going to come out eventually. And that's with anybody, really. But that's just from being down here, though. Yeah. And stuff like that, yeah. too. Yeah. And it's, but, it's, mm. it's interesting, too, John, it, um, just getting your viewpoint, because I'm from Atlanta. And you're from Austin. So it'd be right. interesting getting your viewpoint if you saw anything or encountered anything. To be honest with you, my grandmother. Legally. <laughs> well, okay. I'm going to tell you a story about my grandmother and everything. Okay. She's an Italian immigrant. She came in on a boat and everything, too. She came from Sicily, I believe. And she worked from tooth to nail to get to where she is. And same thing with my grandfather, who was also a police officer who held up the law as well. And he did a very good job. He was fair with everybody and stuff like that, too. He didn't see color or, or anything like that. He believed in one law, one law only, which is by the book. Mm -hmm. If you break the law, that's it. He wasn't all for, meeting, you know what I'm saying? He, he believed yeah. in unity. And that's exactly who he who he is and who he was. And there was also the segregations too. Like, okay, so you have the Italian side of things from the east side of Boston, where I'm mm -hmm. from. Yeah. Then you actually have the Irish side, which is from South End of Boston, which mm -hmm. we actually call Salty up there. And then we also have the black community, which is actually part of the Bunker Hill side of things and stuff like that, which is actually more of the, it's actually the third class of the poorest because oh, at wow. that time, the yeah. Irish side was actually the second poorest. And then the third poorest would actually be the African-American community and everything too, I believe. But it just goes to show you how crazy and divided that we actually were up there. Because not only that, but we also have different nationalities as well up in the northern area, though, too. So when I think of this, about the march and everything, I'm thinking not only are they people up north are fighting for the black community, but they're actually fighting for other communities as well and everything. Because we actually have Jewish people. We have other immigrants that's actually in in that part of those in Boston and everything. So I'm thinking that this march is a lot bigger than what it actually is, especially when you look at the na different nationalities and everything. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because technically all like the Irish and everyone else, including the Blacks, could have marched together <laughs> if there wasn't this third entity telling people that they're different because everybody's sharing the same 
socioeconomic issues like poverty and unemployment. So I always find it interesting that there's a a common denominator between people and class. Not only, you know, whatever, but I always find that interesting that they could have all just marched together and been just one together against Mayor Daley. Like what's going on with the housing facilities um, what's going on with my unemployment? What's going on with this and that? But I don't know. It's just always fascinated me. Right. I, I can agree with that because I was also interested too with the segregations as far as Boston goes and stuff like that myself. Mm-hmm. Because I heard stories, I heard about how that was segregated. And also, too, I also want to mention this as well the government's that be the mayor, the governors actually put people in those divisions mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. The real estate market was bad mm-hmm. because of the fact that, you know, the in white neighborhoods, you can actually tell that's actually a white neighborhood. Yeah. And also, too, they would actually increase the price tag on that particular apartment or that particular house. And let it be reserved over for a white person, for for a black person. And so, yeah, that was a big no-no in the real estate world to -hmm. do that. Because now you have your governors telling you what houses that you can sell to white people for another at another race. And what houses that you can't sell to African-Americans or somebody of a different nationality. So it's unfair on that aspect and everything alone. And also, too, the reason why, as a matter of fact, I remember in Boston, too, that my aunt also lived right across the street from the projects. Mm. But, and my, as a matter of fact, I actually had an aunt that actually lived in the project area. And I would actually mm. walk across the street and everything and go into the projects and borrow jaws from them. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it, it also made me wonder as I got older, though, I was thinking to myself, how does did the projects first begin? How, did, how was that um, the, where the where the black community actually stays at? How did that become something? Then I looked into some more information. It was segregation. It was actually where the governments at B would actually place that place certain nationalities and everything too, and put them in that area. It wasn't necessarily the African-American community that would actually be the ones who said, hey, look, I think that I'm going to live here. It was actually the governor and mayors that would actually say, hey, look, you're you're on property level. You're going over to this area. Or you may have the money, but guess what? We don't need you. We're going over here, which is a bullshit type scenario. You know, I don't believe in that at all. I think that, you know, me personally, I would like that. Uh, it doesn't matter who you are. If you have the money, you have the money. Yeah. You deserve to stay there just like I do. You deserve the same equal rights as I do with working, the working class. And also, too, you deserve to eat what I eat. Mm-hmm. You deserve to sit at the same table as I do. Yeah. I'm not any better than anybody else. Or anything. I put on my pants just like everybody else does. Yeah. Nobody deserves to get treated like shit deserves to get treated like they're nothing and also to deserve uh, that everybody deserves equal equal um equality when it comes down to it no one deserves to get treated the way they do yeah 
Yeah, it's it's the same in Georgia too. Um, the counties were divided the same way as in Boston. Um, I know Cobb, there's a lot more white people in Cobb than Fulton. As you know, if you look at the news <laughs> um, and the controversy with Fulton County actually getting out and voting, how dare they? <laughs> um, but yeah, I used to live in Fulton. So, and then there, there's enclaves in Fulton that are, are still kind of poor. And there's, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's still divided to this wow. day. Then you See, have gentrification and stuff like that, and I don't know. Good. Then that's kind of getting off topic. <laughs> well, no, not really, because it goes to show you how divided we are as a country. Yeah, and not only that, but I have to say, Boston is no longer like that anymore. Yeah, we have a few <laughs> Italians that still live on the east side of Boston and everything. But not that many. Now it's the Puerto um, Puerto Ricans have moved into the east side. We actually have other nationalities that moved into that side, uh, too, as well as African Americans. So it's no longer divided on that front. And same thing with the Irish side of things either. Mm -hmm. So there's no more division among anybody anymore, as far as that goes. Now, is there racism? I wouldn't be surprised. But as far as this, this is your side. This is your side, and we don't meet in between. That's over with. Because yeah. it used yeah. to be like that. Yeah, and um, Atlanta, even in the 80s, they used to say we were the city too busy to hate. But there's still racism in a, in Atlanta. <laughs> right. Oh, Tara's in the sh chat. Hey, Hi, Tara. Tara. How are you? All right. But yeah, uh, yeah. Atlanta, um, there's the, the Martin Luther King Center is here. And that's kind of like a, a pilgrimage for anybody that lives in Atlanta. Like you have to go to the Martin Luther King Center. I think I've been so many times I can't even count from like elementary to high school. And I'm like, geez, again. But <laughs> as I got older, you can appreciate it. But and his house right. is still there, but it's kind of sad. The neighborhood is is kind of rough. Right. So you have like this National Park Service slap down in the middle of kind of like a rough neighborhood. Oh, wow. And it's <laughs> really sad. <laughs> you know, like, oh. but I, I've been to his house, Martha King's house. Um, and it's, it's pretty cool. They, the National Park Service has done a good job preserving um, how the house was when he lived in there. Um, and the Martha King Center is pretty cool. They just have like um, all his accomplishments in there. They have his speeches in there. It's it's everything. It's a museum of him and the civil rights movement, basically. Okay. That's actually pretty cool, though. Yeah. I, I wouldn't mind actually going there myself and everything. You know me. I'm a huge history buff anyway. So, yeah. you know, yeah. I like to actually do uh, if uh, that was actually going to be on one of my top things if I ever went to Atlanta besides doing the Walking Dead tours. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just swing over by the Martin King Center or go there first and then right. do the Walking Dead tour. Right. <laughs> but, you know, I'm glad that Boston is no longer separated into the way it was. And only that, but the funny thing is, on the east side of Boston, we we had the Italian festivals that actually happens. Mm. Everything in the yeah. summertime. And now 
I see other nationalities being a part of the Italian festival and everything yeah, too. Yeah, I'd like to go to those festivals. It's very nice. Um, I remember one year the village people actually performed. No, that's okay. <laughs> Anyway, back to the documentary. Okay, but anyways, but I'm just saying how I'm thinking the reason why other nationalities like going to those festivals is to learn something yeah. about our culture, where we came from, just like how I like learning about other cultures. So that's our way of welcoming them in, welcoming in other immigrants, welcoming other nationalities and everything. So the way they can learn where the Italian, where Italians came from, they might want to have a fajadel. They might want to have fried dough or something and things like that, and learn from what we've done and Italian food and stuff like that. You know, that's what I get out of it. And to me, it's about unity, and that's actually a beautiful thing whenever I see that. Yeah, I'm just actually surprised that because America is built on immigrants, they came to this country. Um, and now it is divided and it mm -hmm. makes me really sad because I'm like, it's a hodgepodge of everybody right. um, that's in one country and there's now a, a great divided line and you can tell, I always became fascinated with the, the third hand. I don't know the name. I'm just coming up with a name that is create this big divid divided line between people. Um, right, because I think in the 19th century, don't quote me, um, there were poor white and black farmers, and they came up with a people's campaign, and they were gonna um, protest against the the farm hands or whatever. Um, but those in higher power coerced the white farmers and said, "Be on our side." And it's white solidarity, and we'll take care of you, poor whites. But behind your back, poor whites, they're laughing at you, and they're right. <laughs> they're not for you. You know, right. it's it's just amazing how there can be so much division, and a third party can come in and just divide everything. Right. There's so many similarities between people. There is. And that's one thing I, you know, with our friendship and everything, we have so much similarities with each other and stuff like that, too, you know, and that's why I also treasure our friendship as well. Yeah, totally. You know, yeah. we have total respect for each other. You're just an awesome person altogether. Okay. And uh, when I see, <laughs> I'm not trying to suck up to you. Too much. much. Too much. <laughs> too much. Okay. Right. Right. Sorry, I'll turn it down a little bit. I don't want to turn Okay. Okay. But <laughs> I want to actually point out something too about the police force and the brutalities of that time era and and put it into today's time as well. Okay. Because it's I terrible. feel like it's very important. <laughs> because it's yeah. it's history repeating itself, but it's bad history, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, and it pisses me off. But <laughs> I feel like it needs to be addressed. Yeah. Okay. Um Police force was 95% white in the Detroit police era. And a four-man squad called the Big Four during that time was formed. And if they actually saw someone of a different race or a different color, they would actually say, hey, look, we need this street. We need to get off the street. 
They don't. They didn't care what you were doing. You had to get off that street. And if you didn't, you would probably wind up number one shot, number mm-hmm. two beaten to death. Either way it goes, you would not be coming home that night, mm-hmm. or you would be spending the night in jail. One of the two are being unconscious in a hospital, and also use probably public drunkenness as a way of saying that that what that's why that he the person was in jail, or because he's unconscious is because he got he ended up falling off a sidewalk and hit his head and he was drunk mm-hmm. because of police cover ups. And, you know, you wouldn't, you never know what would actually happen and everything if that one, if the big, big four actually came. So now I'm going to go on ahead and go into 1991, which is actually a big riot. I was actually around then whenever that riot actually happened with Rodney King. And, you know, Rodney didn't do anything wrong or anything like that. And he was beaten to death. And everything for being the color of his skin. And therefore, black black community went on ahead and went on a riot and they had every right to be on a riot. Because another thing too is we don't know what was fuming that day. We do not know what other people were facing during that time. All we see is one picture, one narrow picture of what the news actually gives us. We don't yeah. know what escalated to that point. We only see one viewpoint. We don't see everything that actually happened within that community to where it was actually that bad. We only see one perspective, right? We only see the beating of, you know, we only got to see the, we only heard about that beating and that was it. We don't know what else escalated aside from that to where people had to riot. And everything. And I feel like it was just more anger towards being ignored, being, um, and you know what? I felt like too during that time, maybe we were actually uh, suppressed that or or past that point until the beating of, of Rodney King and everything. Yeah. And, and the verdict you know, of the, the policeman getting off that was more fuel to the fire. Like there's right. no justice. Exactly. And then George Floyd. That happened recently. Yeah. And, you know, that's what woke my, myself up a little bit, <laughs> too. Don't worry, I'm not going to go. <laughs> I'm not going to go full Boston or anything like that. I'm not going <laughs> to. I promise. Charlie. I'm going to be at calm level. Charlie, but, Charlie look out for him. Charlie. <laughs> look out for him. Okay. But that's what made me realize something. You know how Brady's always saying all lives matter and everything? Yeah. And, you know, I'm like, you know what? I hear people say all lives matter. And I'm like, yes, all lives matter. But until you are being threatened every single day on that sidewalk and not knowing if you're going to make it home, not knowing if someone's going to, if a cop's going to harass you or shoot you down or strangle you or anything like that and having to look behind your back, you cannot say all lives matter because all lives don't matter because of the fact that you're being constantly watching your back all the time and being an outsider and outcast to everybody else. And it pains me to actually see that and everything. And I, like I said before, I believe in unity between other races. I believe in unity between everything. And to know that African-Americans actually have to watch their backs because of bad decisions from white people 
who actually considers them considers the black community as outsiders and that is just mortally wrong because we were taught to love our neighbor we were taught through different systems to love people for who they are and we're and that's the exact opposite of what we're doing and then police officers are not being held accountable for their actions they're actually being kicked off the force for a couple of days and then being reinstated the next Mm. and nobody's voice is being heard and that's what to me and everything is all black lives matter is that for that reason to have a voice to speak up and to actually say hey look enough's enough we need to be heard we need to be one we need to actually have some unity we need to actually show that this is what we want and also too enough enough is enough with the police force getting away with murdering us. And a matter of fact, I remember a couple of months back, someone got shot because the cop thought that he actually had a gun in his hand. It was a Subway sandwich. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, how the hell do you get that mixed up with a gun? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of cops or some cops. Sorry. There are good cops out there. I'm not. No, there are good cops. cops there are. I'm going to say some cops. Um, right. uh, I have a theory that maybe they're just lazy asses that think, oh, I can just shoot instead of running after the person, you know, because you can just run after them or they're they're. I don't know if the, the tactile, whatever it is, can be changed where they don't have to always pull out their gun. I mean, I can well, understand somebody comes to you with a knife then yeah, right. I understand. Okay, well, you know, shoot them. But they're right. running. I don't understand the shoot them in the back no. aspect. To me, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't solve it. No. And Can shooting them like four or five times or tasing them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, get and tasing them and then, nah, I don't get that concept either, to be honest with you. Yeah. But I do police work. Right. Another thing that I want to mention is this. They're not supposed to shoot anybody unless they actually feel threatened. So if the suspect is at the perp is actually running, they're supposed to run. They're not supposed to shoot them as they're running yeah. or anything like that. They're supposed to learn. They are supposed to use their police tactics to where they can take down that perp. And so they don't use that. They don't use that technique at all. They would go yep. on ahead. They'd rather shoot and then ask questions later if they even ask any questions. They, no, all they do is they kill somebody. They go off to eat, act like nothing even happened. They go back to their families, and that's it. Yep. It was just another day on the force. Yeah, and any accountabilities for their actions. Just I haven't had any violent interactions with the police, uh, but just being a, a African American in America now. Uh, it, it is scary because um, looking at the riots, I'm just going to bring that in here. Not going to go too deep into it, Charlie. Not going to go too deep. Okay. Um, <laughs> just, just looking at the riots. And um, to me, it is not acknowledging racism. And that's how we get these riots of you know, if you acknowledge that there is racism in this world and not cover it up, then you can face the problem 
But if you don't, it's just going to be like you're sweeping something under the rug. And usually what you try to sweep under the rug or hide in the closet comes out in ugly ways. Right. And I think that's where these rights come from. I've seen on Facebook, some people were saying that we shouldn't talk, always bring race into everything and not with the riots because there were black people there as well. Um, but there are also white supremacist groups like blatantly, like there's the Klan, there's other groups that I can't name because I don't want them to know where I live. <laughs> but you can read the news and see right. where they are. Um, but yeah, and they're blatant and they're saying, hey, I don't like Jews or blacks or whatever. I don't know how you can just gloss over that. I mean, yeah, mixed in the crowd, but I don't know. I don't know. It's just history repeating itself, like you said. There's no, there's no lessons learned from the past. It's just, I don't know. It's really, yeah. I'm gonna be honest with you. I was talking to one of my good, um, my good coworker, one of my coworkers, and this is like after the stuff that happened with George Floyd. And she go and she had tears in her eyes though too. I could tell she was hurt and wounded by it. Yeah, but I remember I too. I know. I rem- I remember that, and I remember being there for you and everything too when all this was going down. But she goes, I thought we were past all this. Okay. I thought we were past this. I said this to her. I said, you and I might be past this, but we're only a small community compared to millions of other people who live in the 1950 era while we're living in the 2020 era or the 2021 era mm-hmm. we're only a small a small little nugget of people compared to a million and that's the danger of it all is that yeah. we're only a small amount and that's it <laughs> you know yeah but yeah. all we can do is pray for them all we can do is hope that you know that we can actually you know do something and this is what um tara says we are equal thank you tara and i agree with her on that yeah and yeah like i said you know we're only a small nugget we're not going to change the world mm-hmm. with anything i'm not expecting that with this video right here what we're doing right now i'm not expecting us to change the world or change, but I'm hoping if somebody is watching this, that they can actually learn from this, and maybe something would actually mold in them or change in them to where they're like, you know what, they made a couple of good points here and there. Maybe I need to actually check myself in it and just uh, review myself and everything, and you know, and go from there. So that's what I'm hoping to actually accomplish from that because we can't change people. People have to change people and everything, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I, mm-hmm. I mean, oh, yes. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, going back to, I thought we were past this. Um, when I was in middle school, um, I had a, um, this guy was dating his brother. Uh, the guy I was dating was white, and his brother came up to me, and he called me a nigger. And I was like, whoa, 
what is that? And he just kept saying it. And it was in the hallway. And my other friend was with me. And we both were shocked. And he was like, my brother doesn't like you. And then you're this, you're that. And I was just taken back because I never been called that before. Um, I can't tell you what year it was, but it it um it does something to you where you you've never heard it before. You only heard it on like TV or whatever. Right. But when somebody's just saying it and they snicker and they walk off, and I didn't tell any of my teachers or anything because I I don't know. I was just too much in shock and I yeah and and it's like oh I, you know I, oh we thought we were past this but no I mean people can still call me those despicable names and I mean this time I probably like punch them in the face um, <laughs> or do something worse to them but yeah it yeah, it, it's it's painful. Um, you know, you're you're born as this skin color, and it's it baffles me that there are people that think you're less than a human because of what they grew up with and their philosophies, and you're just trying to live your life. And yeah, it is. And so yeah, it's yeah. I can't really describe it. It's just. Like, you're you're always on guard as a African American, like who is this person? Who are they like? What's going on? You know, What's true yeah, like what I try to read your energy, like do I have to square up or are you cool? You right. know, and you, you get to know people, you're like, Oh, okay, they're cool. I've met people that I thought were cool and there was a, a racist incident where you have those people that sing rap lyrics in front of you and don't omit the N-word and then just yeah. say, oh, well, I said it. And I kind of thought they were my friends. Right. So I I had to deal with that too. And that was like a couple of years ago. Right. So I remember you telling me that story. Know. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's just it's weird, and it, it got turned on me that I was the racist, which was weirder. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't get I think too they, into that, but it's yeah, it's there's just like little incidents I've had where some people would say, "Oh, it's all in your head," but no, it's not in my head. Like I've lived and experienced it, and my parents they've lived it ten times more. They were born during the civil rights movement and they've encountered violence um so yeah is it, i don't want to say like all black people have a chip on their shoulder but there's a lot of healing for us to do as black people um because we've dealt with a lot and our yeah. parents dealt with 10 times more um but yeah i'm open to everyone like i i, I like living in diverse communities you know, I like learning from people. It's just that the biggest and the racist are the ones I don't like. And I don't like being dehumanized. And I don't like feeling less than or being judged by the color of my skin. That to me is something I can't control because I was born this way. So that's right. That's how it feels to be African-American in this world. Like I'm, 
I'm sometimes uncomfortable because I'm like, what do you want me to do? Scratch, scratch this off. <laughs> like, I, you know, I'm always on alert. Like, I'm always like, who is this person? Right. Who are they? You know, I don't know. I, something, I, I want to actually piggyback off of something, too, that you mentioned and also say something, too. Um, I feel like, you know how you were talking about the lyrics to a song that uh, I feel like that they were trying to justify the fact that it was okay to say it. And because you weren't okay with it, that made you be racist and them not be racist. So that's what I got out of that was the yeah. fact that we're trying to justify it, but there's no justifying that. No, at all. Because it's not, it's not that. It's not. Matter of fact, I listened to. Um, let's see here. Uh, you know me. I'm all about. I listen to hip hop. I listen to rock music and stuff like that. I'm very ex expandable whenever it comes down to my music, but. There's uh, still Dre with Snoop Dogg and Dre and everything. And they say the N-word. Every single mm -hmm. time when they use that word, I'm like, mm. and then I start going back and rap. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they use it again. I'm like, and then I go back and I censor myself. Just even though there's nobody in the car with me, I still mm -hmm. censor myself. Just out of respect. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I have to commend Eminem. Not <laughs> 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 even... He's very creative. <laughs> right. And you know what's funny is, okay, this is going to go back to somebody I know, and you're going to know who this person is in a sense. But back when I was with somebody and everything, and their brother was actually a rapper, his producer said this to him, do not ever use the N-word in your music. Because as soon as you do that, your career is over with. There's no coming back from that hmm. and everything. It's not for you to actually use. It's for the black community to use. It's not for you. Because don't worry, I don't have no problem with that at all. Because all my rap music is not meant for that or anything. So I think I'm thinking that Dre probably ended up talking to Marshall, aka Eminem, at no. that time. So I'm thinking that he actually said, "Hey, Marshall, uh, you're new to the scene. You and." I don't know if you have any N words or anything like that that that's towards me or anything like that that's in your music, but I just want to let you know that's not going to be acceptable in my in my studio. So I'm thinking maybe he had that talk with him too, and so we actually used. Um, he decided not to use it. Yeah, and everything. Wow. So, uh, let's see here. It's not nice to label people you're beautiful the way you are. I oh, I <laughs> um there is something else I wanted to mention too. If you don't self-teach yourself to censor yourself while you're alone in your car when there is a song that actually has that, chances is you're gonna wind up being punched in the face by your black friend. <laughs> Which I think <laughs> because I feel like this, you need to be, if you're not censoring yourself and respecting, even though there's just somebody in the car with you, chances is you're going to end up repeating exactly what you heard and everything in the car when that song is played, but you're, when one of your black friends is with you. Yeah. So it's or you like a twisted tea guy. <laughs> or you get punched in the face with twisted tea. Right. <laughs> That's good example. Yeah, you don't want no twisted tea. I don't want no twisted tea. No, That's you don't sure. want no twisted tea coming to your face. <laughs> Could you imagine if someone sued twisted tea for pain and suffering? 
and having nightmares. Could you imagine that dude? I haven't heard from that guy ever since he got his ass whooped all over, like (laughs) YouTube and everything. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know he didn't press charges. That's all I know. Because he was unconscious. (laughs) (laughs) He got up eventually. (laughs) Eventually. Eventually. But, you know, I, I feel like this, though. I mean, also, too, uh, I feel like that some white people, some white people in the white community as well, wants everybody to be the same. They're afraid of somebody that's different than them. So, therefore, because of the fact that they want you to be the same and you're not, it makes them scared of you because of the fact that you're so different. So therefore, they want to actually treat you as an outcast because they are threatened, and that is not right. <laughs> because of the, you know, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm. Because this is this whole entire. I don't mean to go into the political realm or anything. No, but no. I feel I'm not. I'm not going. I'm not going there. I'm not going there. But mm-hmm. I just feel like <laughs> that. That's what it's all about, though. Is the fact that everybody they want everybody to be the same. Mm-hmm. And if you're not okay. the same. It's also a way go, you go. Okay. I mean, that's all you got to say about it. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you and Charlie. No. <laughs> John, no. Charlie, we don't talk about that. We want you like smidget woke. We don't want you like woke woke. We're trying to get some subscribers here. <laughs> don't worry. I'm, 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 hey, I'm summer down. I'm, I'm asleep now. I'm, 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 I'm oh, you be angry, John. <laughs> But you see, though, I'm being your emotions right now. I'm actually being your emotions. You're being a very good white friend. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Like, how can I help the cause? Oh, I'm going to be angry for you. I'm your lawyer. I'm your lawyer. Yeah. I'll just speak for yeah. you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, <it's> terrible. <laughs> but anyway, back to the documentary. It's very good. <laughs> And uh, with that off, yeah, you should check out Eyes on the Prize. I know it's a pain, but it's worth the the price of the twenty dollars. If if you want to get the whole thing, be my guest, spend three hundred dollars. And then record it for so that way she'll have a copy. (laughs) Yeah, I'll probably be saving a couple checks because that that to me is really unique to have all that incriminating evidence. On on a documentary, right? <laughs> and then make sure you view King in the Wilderness. That's on HBO Max now, right. which is what me and John was talking about. Just his um his movement in Chicago in the North, and that was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go on ahead and get. It. Was there any Martin Luther King quotes that you'd like? Because since this is his birthday, I figured it would be great to actually co- maybe cover a quote that you might actually like from him. Um, the darkness cannot drive out light. Yeah, and then there's free at last, which is um because he's his tomb or whatever is at the King Center right next to his wife, and it's on top of this um fountain. They have it all pretty and everything else. And that's what's engraved on his tombstone. It's free at last. So it's pretty cool. Okay. 
So that's going to be it for the show and everything. I know that this is more of the serious type of thing when we were reviewing this documentary and everything. We kind of went kind of deep, but I felt like that this was an actual good time to actually talk about something serious and yeah. take a break from the movie realm a little bit and to be able to learn and also be self-aware of the damage that someone might be doing to somebody else for being different being and considered to be an outcast and also to to be able to take initiative hey look i'm a fucktard or something and uh <laughs> wow and i'm doing something that's damaging to somebody else and yeah. just want to analyze yourself and take a self-awareness check of what i'm what someone is doing is wrong or maybe it's something you might be doing that you might actually um, analyze your own self. But this is just basically, a. We, I just feel like this is actually a way to learn, to ask questions, and have open discussions with your friends and stuff like that. Also, too, if you want to actually do something within the comments section, we'll go on ahead. We'll comment on it <clears throat> and everything as well. If you have yeah. something that you actually have to actually contribute... <laughs> into the ch into the comment section now yeah. if it's racial or anything like that it's going to be the same rules applied with yeah this. It will come on you right yeah let's see and tara says i think it was a great time to take the time to remember i agree yeah because i feel like if we don't remember your history if you don't mm -hmm. remember what happened recently then all that is just going to fade away into dust into nothingness yeah, because and, we have to remember. Yeah, and you'll just keep repeating history. And I guess my last words would be if you have um, African-American friends or even friends of any other racial ethnicity, just have an honest conversation with them and talk to them and try to understand their point of view and be sensitive to them. Uh, and it will help your friendship grow beyond measures i guarantee you right all right so that's gonna be it everybody you guys can follow me on movie lovers unite on facebook at movie lovers tv lovers unite you can follow me on instagram at movie lovers tv lovers unite we also have a web page for all your entertainment needs and wants that's www.movieloversunite.com we also have a patreon www.patreon forward slash movie lovers unite we also have a Pinterest, Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite. Of course, you guys can follow me on on Twitter at John DeGorio8, or you can follow me on Movie Lovers Unit. Either which way, you can go ahead and follow me there. And then, of course, tomorrow night, I'm actually going to have my college professor. That's actually going to be my ex-college professor, former college professor, that's actually going to be on the show with me. And we're going to be reviewing The Sound of Metal, and what better way to actually do that because he's actually in a, in a band. So we're actually reviewing that. And then I'm actually going to be taking two nights off from this show. And I'm actually going to be on Ben's show, which is called the Sweaties Network. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, I did not say we're going to get sweaty. Okay, I just said it. <laughs> Basketball sweaty. But, <laughs> oh, God. It's terrible. I'm going to delete I'm just gonna leave the studio now. No, no. don't do it. To Sorry, me. I have to close. Nope. <laughs> I see the X button right here. No. I can get it any moment. 
don't do it. I'll get Frenchie. I'll get Frenchie on you. Oh no, I'm sorry. No camo. <laughs> but those, and then of course, guys, if you guys want to, you can go go on ahead, donate to the show and everything by going to the link below. Another thing too is we're actually sponsored by Audible. If you want a 30 day trial, maybe you might want to learn something about the history that we just mentioned with Martha Luther King. You go on ahead, check that out. We actually they have an Audible book probably for that. Go on ahead, give that a check out and everything. Get your 30 day trial on us. And then of course, guys. You guys have been fun. You guys have been great. I can't wait to actually do this again tomorrow night. Thank you, Tamika, for joining me. Thank, Thank you, Charlie, you. for being the person in the middle for nice. nothing, uh, Jake. Charlie. You're welcome. <laughs> for the chat. I wasn't sure how crazy the chat was actually going to be or anything like that for tonight. So we actually had to get a moderator to actually make sure that everything was going to be running smoothly. So I might actually be using you again for future po podcast. But anyways, guys, another thing, too, is if you guys want to go ahead and subscribe to our audio-only podcast, how do you do that? I'm glad you guys asked. What you do is just go ahead go to any platform that you actually listen to, and we're there, and that's it. So, everyone, have a good and safe night, and bye-bye. Bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.